Hey, who made you with this, Jackie? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Episode 118. After a very long weekend of shopping for grills. Yes. <laughs> it's like we live in the suburbs or something. I know. It's We have a deck now, and it was actually a nice weekend, and all our neighbors were out on their decks enjoying sun and life. And Our neighbors don't want to see us. Uh, and I don't want to see them in particular, <laughs> but uh, it looked like they were enjoying relaxation while we had canned air and air conditioning and allergens. And mm. besides, it's... It looks like I want to. I want to play with fire. You want to play with fire. I want to play with fire. And I thought this would be a simple project. (laughs) It's you obtain, as my father always did, a pit into which charcoal goes, and you blast that down with lighter fluid, and chuck a match and run, and then (laughs) fly meat. This is what. (laughs) This is how I grew up. This is how it's been done since the dawn of time. But also, uh, he he had a backyard, whereas we just have a back deck, and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts frowns on just lighting fires on the back deck. I would be willing to light the back deck on fire and throw meat on it if it would make this less expensive and easier. It is not. (laughs) That's not the case. You can apparently get a cheap gas grill, but from talking with almost anybody in the world, they said, yeah, if you don't mind buying another one next year, and this has been enough of a pain in the ass as it is. Well, that's also after they get done laughing at you and calling you a pussy because they use charcoal because they have yards. (laughs) I'd I'd be willing to use charcoal if I didn't mind involving the local constabulary in my dinner. (laughs) And I'm too old for that. I got a certain thrill out of that in my 20s. I just... I don't have time for that shit anymore. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's got to be the liquid propane. Yes. Well, I and grew up with a, a liquid propane one. I, I turned out okay. <laughs> Arguably. <laughs> yeah, that, that statement is well open to interpretation. <laughs> Arguably. <laughs> I really thought it'd be simple, but it's in those two burner and three burner and prep space and indirect cooking. Side burners. That I'm, I'll burn everything. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I thought indirect cooking was when I asked you to make dinner. I, I, oh, do you think of that all day? Is that? <laughs> oh, come on! That was all, you laughed at it. What do you want from me? So yeah, now a grill's picked out, and and of course the store was fucking closed today. So tomorrow after work, I gotta go. Yes, can you deliver this and build it? Because I'm stupid and lack basic tools and skills. <laughs> Plus, this has fire, and I yes. really shouldn't play with that. No, let the qualified people tighten the hoses and whatnot. Yes, only qualified people should... So we have somebody to sue when we burn down our back deck. Exactly. I, w- I want to cast a wide net of blame at almost Fault everybody. Free. It's a, the neighbor's fault. They looked like they were having fun and family <laughs> values and shit. Well, what were you doing, sir? Well, I was on my 10th beer, and I opened up a tap of some sort, and then there was an explosion. I like how this also led to a related search for patio furniture. That you know, started with, oh, well, we can get this this really cool teak folding table and these chairs. And then by the end of it, it was, all right, that's um, a cast aluminum uh, foldable chair that's got a side table and a beer cozy. Yeah, that's all I want. <laughs> I just want a place to put my fucking cheeseburger and my beer. We'll and... use the cooler as a table. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fine with teak. What's teak? It's <laughs> a type of wood, sweetie. Yeah, but it's uh, this is shit I'm going to leave outside. That's tantamount to abandoned furniture. I'm not going to spend $800 <laughs> for abandoned furniture. I'm not going to do it. 
It's going to be the one that folds up, that has the little plastic thing for my beer. Yeah. I can <laughs> legally drink outside in front of people who didn't ask for it. That's all I really want. <laughs> I want to light fires and drink beer in front of people who don't deserve it. <laughs> That's really all I want. Who, who did nothing to ask for this. Exactly. <laughs> their umbrellas and their patio furniture. And... But that's right. And their families and their good credit and all that shit. <laughs> so that was a large part of the weekend I was not anticipating. I really, My original plan was we'll go to the Home Depot and say, cheapest? K. <laughs> it's apparently more complicated than that. All I've ever done on a grill is hamburgers. There's other stuff that apparently you can do, which you I You can am, make chicken. I'm not going to do that. I'm gonna. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> you, again, indirect cooking. I'm for it. But <laughs> I might make a steak. I'm for that, too, but I would burn that. I would screw that up. <laughs> a cheeseburger is very, very low stakes. It's already meat that somebody said, uh, it's probably best if you grind it out of recognition <laughs> to start with. And uh, yeah, if you burn it, it's cheap. You can get more. I'll do a hamburger. That's fine, but... <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll cook the other things on it. It's fine. Okay, that, that's all I it's ask. Fine. <laughs> Show off your talents to the I might do something neighbors. with, I don't know, halibut. Yeah. What? Because I can. <laughs> okay, this experiment is over. Maybe I'm going to buy some banana leaves. I'm, I'm setting the deck on fire and, <laughs> and not to cook. But I now I now wish to be excused. Make some little foil packets full oh, of potatoes. Now all I know is I want a fucking cheeseburger. That's, <laughs> that's what I want. Bacon. <laughs> but there was also comics news this week. It's not all about finding ways to set things on fire. Bacon. Here at the, uh, bacon, yes. <laughs> this is a comic book show. <laughs> Sorry, I'm fixated on bacon. Should we start a second show? I, on bacon? Yes. <laughs> bacon and Spider-Man. Flying fire to bacon. It'll be a very niche show. <laughs> we'll have four listeners and two will be us. <laughs> let's let's talk about Spider-Man. All right. So, yeah, there was uh, some comics news this week. I'm sure there was a bunch of it at Heroes Con, which, uh, yeah, we were not able to, to be at. Someday, that's what I really want to go to, and someday our schedules will finally yes. sync up so we can get out there. Yeah, it's toward the end of the week, the, the biggest news item was Marvel's been teasing this thing called Dead No More for like two or three months. They really started, <laughs> really started hyping it up uh, around when DC started to hype up Rebirth. So it's like, uh, let's all steal each other's thunder. <laughs> <laughs> like, we have a competing idea. <laughs> like, like it's only possible to buy one comic book from one publisher. They've only got Rebirth. We've, we've got... Civil War and Dead No More. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, God, it just occurred to me if they could make some kind of rule where you could only buy comics from one publisher, I would be very wealthy right now <laughs> with the amount of comic books that we buy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and it's over the last couple months they, they put out a bunch of teaser images uh, that showed Uncle Ben and Gwen Stacy and Doctor Octopus. If you died in Spider Man, you were probably somewhere in one of these teasers. And uh, for the free comic book day issue of Captain America, the backup feature uh, was a Spider-Man one that had Gwen Stacy and Rhino's dead wife. And uh, I believe at the time I tweeted clones. Why did it have to be clones? Please tell me this isn't going to lead to like some clone of dead Uncle Ben. Uh, It's very it's very possible. That it's, will go uh, off to London and be fucked over by Norman Osborn and yeah. give birth to spider babies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did the math on that, and actually the Gwen in Sin's past was before she was a clone. Okay. So she was a natural-born 
skank of some sort. Jesus. He's got a thing for half corn road, half road white men. I, I Norman Osborn has objectively the worst hair in comic books. Um, objectively. Yeah. It's off the top of my head. I can't really <laughs> think of anybody worse. It's like I can't decide if it's a bad perm or if it if it's just... Ricketts. <laughs> Do rickets do that? That's horrible. I, I have no idea. Eat I'm, a lime, Norman. <laughs> no, that's that's scurvy. Oh, <laughs> uh, shave your head, Norman. <laughs> but it's it's possible they could bring anybody back. Um, yeah, it's uh, the official announcement came out this week. Uh, I think via Entertainment Weekly that Dead No More is actually officially being called uh, the Clone Conspiracy. Oh, so, yep, more clones. Nothing better than Spider-Man and clones, for God's Send sake. Send in the clones. Oh, yeah, you work all day there on that one. Clones. <laughs> Don't bother, they're here. We're... <laughs> Fair use, people. <laughs> no, you use that at your peril. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, the jackal's back. He's got himself a spiffy red business suit. But I thought this. I thought the jackal. No, actually, the jackal must have come back to life because I've seen him in other things like Spider Island. Uh yeah, he's been back and dead and back and dead, and he was Carrion for a while, and uh, Carrion was actually the clone of Jackal, except he wasn't a clone for a while. We'll get into some of these details. This is already making my head hurt throughout the course of the show. This is like worse than a soap opera. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> So yeah, he's he's now got himself uh, an Anubis Egyptian style jackal mask. Red I bet he found it on eBay, didn't he? Probably, or whatever his source for getting Matt Murdock's cast off red business suits. <laughs> uh, maybe he found them next to each other in Goodwill. Perhaps. Either way, it's better than that green fur suit and the fucking ball hugger underpants Ugh. that he wore back in the seventies. So at least he's got a better look going for him. Okay. But uh, he's also yeah apparently been cloning dudes like a motherfucker. As one does. Yeah. When uh, one has time on one's hands. <laughs> <laughs> no. We, we look for grills and have fire fantasies. <laughs> Beer cozies. Yeah. So Dan Slott, he, he's not given away a whole lot at this point, mm-hmm. uh, but he has said, quote, loss surrounds Spider-Man. We live in a day and age of comics where you're always seeing another important death. Here's someone who dies. We're subverting all that. Here's people coming back. Okay. To which I said, Okay. It's uh, look, having a sore spot about the clone saga from the 90s is not exactly a groundbreaking fucking position to take. As someone who managed to avoid the clone saga in the 90s, can you fill me in? Well, it's that's the thing. I missed most of it. You know, this happened in the mid late 90s when I was doing mostly Vertigo comics. So I would see these spider clone books, you know, the, the Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, Spider-Man Unlimited, Web of Spider-Man. It seemed like there were 20 of them and they all had different fucking versions and costumes or whatever. When I was going in and getting, yeah, Preacher and Transmetropolitan <laughs> and Shade the Changing Man. And yeah, seeing all these was kind of proof to me at the time. It's like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm done with superhero books, at least for right. It was probably the most adult least comic geek reaction that I've ever had to comic book covers or flipping through comic books. It was like, oh, you're telling me that Peter Parker's not Spider-Man and he hasn't been Spider-Man since I started reading comic books 20 years ago? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to buy that. I just flipped through. We, oh, You like took a hit and bought a couple of trades of this god-awful series. Oh, um, I took a savage beating on this. Let me, let me get to that. But the art is just so bad. Like I like even if the story was any good, it would be hard to get through. 
it's like the reading through the trade that I got of the Spider Clone Saga was like the Image Age of Comics wiped their ass on glossy paper and bound it and sold it to me for forty dollars. It's like if some kid saw Todd McFarlane's work and then said, "You know what it needs? More cross hatching and bigger muscles." Well, it's like, but no pouches. Pouches are for assholes. It, it, oh, there are pouches in there. It, yeah, actually, there are. Scarlet Spider had a pouch on each ankle, and uh, he was he was. Oh God, I see it now. He was pouched. Oh, that's not right. Yeah, it's uh, he was in pouchified. He yeah. pouched so much pouch. Oh, look at all that cross hatching. Jesus God, it's like fifth generation. The artisan, this particular trade I got, and we'll talk about the particular trades, but yeah, it's like they said, ooh, Liefeld, who said, ooh, Silvestri, who said, ooh, McFarlane, who said, ooh, Arthur Adams. (laughs) So it's like fifth generation. Oh, man, why? It's like somebody played telephone and it just went wrong. Yeah, (laughs) bad artistic (laughs) telephone. That was the decision I made at the time. I'm just not going to buy it. Because that was the only decision you could make in the 90s. The internet was not everywhere. So if you wanted your outrage over your comic books known, you just all you could do is not buy the book. It's yeah. not like now. Well, or you could write them a letter, but it's not like they would publish it because it would be a negative letter. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, but it's, it's not like now with the internet where you can spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on recording equipment and web hosting and <laughs> complain on a podcast. And Marvel still gets their fucking money because we don't get review copies. I had to buy the fucking books. <laughs> yep. So my gut reaction when I heard the clone conspiracy is uh, I, I don't want it. It's This is not a thing I want to revisit. It's I had real problems with the entire concept of the clone saga. I don't have any love for the image area of era of superhero comics. Will all the clones be played by Tatiana Maslany? I just, I'm curious. I hope not because... <laughs> I'm not caught up on this season, but that one from last season where she played a dude. The part of Uncle Ben will be played. By <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she should not play the dude. No, that's <laughs> that did not work out. <laughs> yeah, my gut reaction is I, I, I don't want any part of this. However, Dan Slott historically does interesting, at least, Spider-Man events. Yes. Even when they sound fucking stupid, and a lot of them sound <laughs> stupid, like Spider Island sounds fucking stupid on its face. I enjoyed Spider Island. Yeah, but it's the pitch. Everyone in Manhattan, you've got spider powers, and you've got spider powers, and you've got spider powers, and look under your seat by way of the ceiling, because you've got fucking spider powers. And The part of Oprah will be played by the jackal. <laughs> yeah, but it's it was entertaining. He pulled it off. Yeah. it's It wound up not being as goofy as it sounded and it sounded goofy that spider verse look i fucking hated ezekiel and morlin and j michael straczynski's run mm-hmm. straczynski did a lot of good stuff and he did a lot of stuff that kind of pulled the character back from the brink after all this spider clone shit mm. he also it feels like there were times he would go days without sleep and you know, <laughs> phone a friend for advice on ways to just stomp on his own dick <laughs> Now, The Sins Past was one huge one to the point where even Straczynski, as I was you know, looking around on the internet today, he said his plan was to retcon out Sins Past during one more day, but Quesada wouldn't let him. Oh, fuck you, Quesada. Well, he was, <laughs> Quesada was doing important shit, like having Spider-Man sell his soul to the devil to save his aunt, who had already been dead as of Spider-Man 400 for a while. <laughs> Look, <laughs> it's comics, baby. Forget it, Jake. It's comics. So yeah, but yeah, the whole spider totem idea, I never liked. I hated the idea that Peter Parker was destined to become a spider totem. 
because it really kind of strikes it to me what is one of the strengths of Spider-Man from when he was created. Spider-Man is one of the purest. Mm. You, know, you call comic books adolescent power fantasies. Spider-Man is about as good an adolescent power fantasy as you're going to get oh, in yeah. comics or anywhere else. Because he's a kid who can put on a costume and be thought of as a man, but also the best possible version of himself. You know, he's in his day-to-day life, he's a geek and they thumb rub his glasses and nobody respects him. But the minute he puts on the suit, he's an athlete, he's confident, he's got the right answer to any insult. And yeah, people treat him like an adult. And it was done through science. He was a child of born of a radioactivity accident. And well, that's the important thing, the accident. Yeah. Because if it's an accident, then if you're 10 years old and reading it, it could happen to you. Yes. It could happen to anybody. And that's a powerful concept for this kind of, again, it was Amazing Fantasy 15 is a pure adolescent power fantasy. Right. And like the good sense of it. But yeah, to, to then take that element away and say, oh no, Peter Parker is destined to be Spider-Man to the point where Peter Parker is Spider-Man in every goddamn alternate universe that Marvel can think of, except for the one with Spider-Gwen. Right. It really it eliminates that it could be you, and I, I think that's an important part of the character, at least historically. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. With that said, even though I don't like Morlin and the Spider-Totem thing, Slot used it as a way to get every fucking Spider-Man he could think of into a comic book, and that was just fun. Yeah. Spider-Ham and UK Punk Spider-Man and <laughs> the Electric Company Spider-Man was in there That's for right, a while. that's right. It's, it's, so it was fun. You know, did I want to see Moreland again? No. Did I wind up having a good time with it? Sure. As, it, as Spider-Villains go, they were the worst scenery-chewing group of... And, and Spider-Man has some that are just all about, what other scene can I eat? Like, <laughs> Oh, if you make Dr. Octopus look taciturn <laughs> you're mouthy motherfucker <laughs> if you make, make adrian tombs look as though he has little to say yeah <laughs> make norman osborne look like gary cooper in high noon you're mouthy adrian get off my lawn tombs <laughs> <laughs> seem to be played by michael yeah. keaton oh oh not not in the spider clone book that i got but i'll i'll, I'll talk about that as we yeah. get more into the <laughs> but even superior spider-man which is not really touted as an event that concept is if you tell it to someone it's dumb as shit dr octopus is spider-man now and we're gonna kill peter parker what that's stupid well but as an examination of what if Spider-Man didn't have that power and responsibility upbringing, mm-hmm. it was really solid. It was an engaging book. Nobody thought it was going to be permanent. Well, uh. <laughs> many people thought it was going to be permanent, and those people are now blocked on Dan Slott's Twitter feed. But... <laughs> How are they ever going to know that it wasn't permanent now? <laughs> I think they know. <laughs> if you're going to death threat a comic book character, trust me, you're, you're looking at the new books on Wednesday. Yeah. You're not just doing that because you're bored. You know, you're you're an asshole, but you're a geek asshole, and you're going to buy the book anyway. They have a lot of free time, and they can't make clones. Yeah, look, again, this is the 21st century, not the mid-90s. You know, not buying the book, not an option. You <laughs> buy it, and you complain about it on the internet. Yes, as and, one does. And sometimes you do it while drinking. Fine, Berkshire Brewing <laughs> Company, Steel Rail, Extra Pale Ale. That's right. They're not going to pay you. <laughs> I just, somebody put me in touch with them, please. It's... You're not going to get free beer. You never, you never know. I will keep beating this dead horse. 
we both brought up, it, it occurred to me in thinking about this, in trying to give Slot the benefit of the doubt, because he has delivered in the past. It's like, I've got this gut reaction toward the Clone Saga, but like we said, we hadn't really read it. And it occurred to me, I hadn't read the original clone stories from when Gwen and Peter were first cloned, probably since they were reprinted in Marvel Tales back in the early 80s. Because, mm. yeah, I didn't start reading comics until 1975, and this story really wrapped up probably about three months before I bought my first comic book. Yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't actually read it. So today I learned that Jerry Conway is responsible for inflicting the clones on us. <laughs> oh yeah, Jerry Conway, he killed Gwen Stacy, he gave us clones. Jerry Conway did a lot of shit. To the point where Stanley is... <laughs> he took some shit at conventions for a while. That's part of where this clone thing came from. Stan's story now is he was getting ready to go on some trip to some convention or something for you know maybe a TV or movie thing in L.A., and he's packing in his office, and Conway and whoever was editing at the time came in and said, uh, hey, do you mind if we kill Gwen Stacy? And Stan's position now is, I really wasn't paying attention, so I said, fine, sure, whatever. And then I come back, and she's dead, and like I had to be reminded that I signed off on it. And it's, yeah, okay, Stan, <laughs> whatever. I suppose it's possible. At least he didn't say crippled the bitch. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, this is not what that show is about. <laughs> just That's is, where my mind went. <laughs> uh, yes, because supposedly Len Wein... After, Who was an editor on this spider book, by the way. <laughs> yeah, all right. So maybe there's a pattern. But yeah, when Alan Moore asked if in The Killing Joke he could uh, have Barbara Gordon shot and uh, paralyzed, Len Wein said, yeah, crippled the bitch. That's where that came from. Apocryphally. If you're, if you're not familiar. And yes, it's apocryphal. Someday Len will return my calls. <laughs> I'll send him a case of fine Berkshire Brewing Company steel wrap ale ale. And I'll grill him a steak with incorrect, indirect cooking. <laughs> and he'll answer all my dirty questions about the comics industry in the 70s and the 80s. Sure he will. Yeah, okay. You keep telling <laughs> yeah. yourself that. Can't get review co <laughs> copies out of comic book companies. <laughs> yeah, and supposedly... Stan took so much shit about Gwen Stacy getting killed when he went to conventions that he demanded that Conway write a story where she came back. And Conway said, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. And supposedly, he finally said, fine, I'll do it, but I want to be able to get rid of her again as soon as I possibly feel like it. Yeah. So that's, excuse me, that's where the clone, apocryphally, but that's the rumor, that's where the clone story came from was Stan demanding, you got to bring her back because I'm tired of being booed at comic book conventions. <laughs> Number one, it's 1975. There's only like three of them. And <laughs> it's not like I can hide in the crowd of 30 dudes. They find me. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, I hadn't read any of those in years. There were some that I, that I hadn't read before. Yes, I decided in the interest of being able to finally, at least in a, a little bit, be able to speak to do I really hate the clone saga or the idea of it? I went to my local comic store yesterday and I bought Spider-Man, the original clone saga trade paperback, which reprints all the books that involve clones from Amazing Spider-Man 139 in 1974 to Spectacular Spider-Man 163 in 1990. Mm. That's how long certain parts of these were kicking around before okay. somebody decided, hey, let's do a saga. Mm -hmm. And of all things, I got the complete Clone Saga Epic Volume 5. 
Amazingly, one through four were sold out. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> why that happened, how that happened, but yeah, this one covers, of all things, New Warriors 62 from 1995 through Spectacular Spider-Man 229, I think in October of 95. And yeah, it was the only volume of the whole thing that, that the store had in stock. And Steve, the owner, asked me if he, if I wanted him to get me the other four volumes. <laughs> and I told him to wait until I finished reading this one. And uh, yeah, Steve, if you're listening, thanks anyway, dude. I think I'm good. I think I'm fine. <laughs> Bottom line, I spent 90 bucks on comics that I didn't want so that I could speak semi-intelligently on the Spider-Clone saga. <laughs> so if we ever open up a Patreon, you guys better pony up, goddammit. <laughs> To be fair, the original Clone Saga turned out to not actually be that bad. It's just what people did with the idea of clones subsequently. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I found, I cracked both of these books today, and I found I read thoroughly through the original Clone Saga book. The volume five of the actual Clone Saga, I flipped through on the toilet. It was just <laughs> so hard to try to get anything in. And I will... I will cop to part of that might be I came in very late in the story. Uh, I figured, fine, if this is the only one they've got, since this is the last one, at least it will get me up to a certain point in the story. And it did. Uh, This gets up to the point, spoilers, on a much reviled uh, (laughs) 20-year-old comic arc. But How dare you? This is the one where Ben Riley uh, (laughs) becomes Spider-Man. I'm doing air quotes here. Nobody can see because it's a radio. Peter Parker uh, retires as Spider-Man and gives the mantle over to Ben Riley. <laughs> Neither one is who they think they are, and they've thought they're they'd... clones, or at least one of them is. They've thought, oh, each of them has thought there's a clone at one point or another. Because I also, you know, I, I try to fill in the gaps. I spend some time on Wikipedia and uh, on various Spider-Man sites today to try to fill in some. And yeah, I feel that's all that I need to know at this point. <laughs> I've read some actual issues. I've looked at some actual art. Seen some actual characterization, and uh, I think I'm done. Okay. But not with the original one, because there was some stuff going on in there. Reading this again as an adult, it really feels like the original clone story's main purpose was to finally put Gwen Stacy to rest story-wise and really let Peter continue on in a relationship with Mary Jane. Yeah. It, I mean, it, did you get any sense of that? Or? Yeah, no, that was, it was, this was, we need to have closure on Gwen. Yes. And we need to make it official with Mary Jane for those that have that have been pining away for some sort of they would have wouldn't have used the word shipping back then but Gwen Peter shipping. <laughs> yeah, well it wasn't even a case of of shipping. They were in a relationship of one form or another. Uh Gwen Stacy first appeared somewhere in the 30s of Amazing Spider-Man when okay. Steve Ditko was still drawing. And it was not too long after Ditko left that Stan started putting Peter and Gwen into uh, a relationship. Into a relationship. So it had been going on for seven, eight, nine years. You know, and in the early seventies in comics history, that's a sizable chunk. The only thing that really kind of—I don't know if it bothered me per se, but I guess it did—was the uh, spoilers. If you haven't read this for some reason, <laughs> the inconsistencies when his spider sense did or did not go off, I found a little jarring. And well, give me an example. Well, for example, and maybe this is how they're trying to prove that he's he's a clone or something, but Peter Parker supposedly is taken down by the jackal because he perceives Doctor War or Professor Warren to be his friend, even though the jackal's in 
costume. <laughs> uh, yeah, the ball huggers akimbo. <laughs> so like, it's not like he's like smer- smelling pheromones or something. I don't think he has that power. And, uh, and and then like you know the better sense isn't going off. <laughs> well, he probably was smelling something in that fursuit. <laughs> but um, and then later on, when he after everything gets resolved and he gets back together with Mary Jane, his spider sense goes off because he senses somebody in his apartment and it's Mary Jane. So this whole idea that um, if somebody is your friend, it's not going to trigger your spider sense. Yeah. And there could have been something to, you know, oh, who's the clone and who isn't? Yeah. Uh, Because it it really was not that big a question, at least that was raised in the actual issues. Uh, Well, it kind of was, but they resolved Resolved it it. and moved it out of the way fairly quickly. Unfortunately, they... (laughs) They they clearly tried to do it in a way that they could say, oh, no, this is how it is now. Sorry, it didn't take. But <laughs> I, I will say in some earlier comics, they would play fast and loose with what the spider sense could do. It's like, oh, it only senses danger. But, oh, also this little spider tracer. Uh, you can follow your spider sense to that. <laughs> and so I'm willing to accept a certain amount. Spider yeah. signal on the belt. That was fun. Uh, yeah, that was a big 70s thing, <laughs> which never, the idea of Spider-Man with gadgets beyond the I'm not the sure web what shooters. it was supposed to do. All it did was like point at the floor. So I suppose you could find your way in the dark, except that wouldn't you just use a flashlight? Well, <laughs> even when he used it here, he's like, this is not a very good flashlight. <laughs> like, does he, does he need it in case he has to pee in the dark? Like, what's the... <laughs> 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 like oh, now how am I going to hit the urinal? I know, I'll use the spider signal. You think... <laughs> You'd think if his spider sense would protect him from anything, <laughs> he'd be pissing on his own leg. Nah, <laughs> that, that Parker luck. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah. I wet the jammies again. <laughs> but yeah, it's the, the spider signal, Spider-Man with gadgets never made sense. That's Batman. Yeah. Up to a certain point, web shooters are almost a bridge too far. It's like, you know, you're schlepping photos to a skinflint local <laughs> newspaper. Yeah. And yet you're building your own fucking adhesive and <laughs> delivery mechanism. It's a, I get it. He's a yeah, science what is, guy. What is he doing to like support his, his science habit? That stuff's expensive. Is he also like making meth? He's uh, selling sperm. Mm. There's little Peters all over New York. <laughs> That's where Spider Island came from. <laughs> That would have been a great Spider Island story. It would have. I've been selling my jizz every fucking Monday since 1962. Can you imagine, like Aunt May on laundry day, like all of these socks, Peter? They're they're crusty and radioactive. I don't. <laughs> Your socks are stuck to the wall. <laughs> Please meet Miss Watson's nice niece. <laughs> For God's sake, aim it at the sink. Do something. Ugh. We've completely gone on a tangent. Here. Gone on a tangent. <laughs> but okay, so yes, there was clearly a purpose to this beyond you know. Oh, this is a cool clone story. It was to get Gwen out of the way and to let him move on. But it part of that was because it really was a big deal when Gwen Stacy got killed, and yeah. it's easy to sort of forget now. That, you know, yeah, it's Dan Slott's right in that quote. People get killed left and right in comics. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen in 1973, 1974. Killing Gwen Stacy was a watershed moment. There are people who consider it the end of the Silver Age and the beginning of the Bronze Age. This kind of thing didn't happen. It'd be like killing Lois Lane. It was a big yeah. deal. You know, and even if you look at characters who were dead and stayed dead, like Bucky, Bucky's death was always just sort of 
to my understanding, extrapolated. We didn't see what actually happened to Bucky right. until like Avengers 50 something. Or, and even then it was like, we knew he was already dead. It was told in flashback. Yeah. Right. So yeah, the idea that you would kill a superhero's love interest, that was a big fucking deal. And yeah, it's Gwen was the first one and history says in comics, they're the ones who were supposed to be together. People just assumed. So yeah, I mean, looking at it, because it, yeah, it would kind of surprise me. I had forgotten the actual battle between the two clones. It's only like four pages. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. No. It's, and, and Professor Warren snaps out of his psychosis like three quarters of the way through and realizes that he's about to cause awful death and destruction and saves the hostage that gut Peter there in the first place. Uh, right. And then one of the clones gets killed in the explosion and... The other one said, oh, I don't know if I'm the real one or not. Well, it's only one more issue where, yeah, Spider-Man's facing one of my spider slayers. And as his life flashes before his eyes, he thinks his last thought is of Mary Jane and realizes, oh, if I were the clone, I'd have been influenced by Dr. Warren and I would automatically You're favor Gwen. Gwen. Yeah. So this means I must be the real one. Sure. And then he just sort of comes back. Doesn't no. bother to read the the report that Kurt Connors has laboriously put together, despite being completely like jet lagged and yeah, might <laughs> might have been a good plan to read the report that would actually tell you the truth. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, maybe before you incinerate that body that we think we see you incinerate in Brooklyn in the next issue. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man dumping a just disposing of a body like he's part of the Gambino crew. <laughs> So he's been doing it ever since the ghost of Uncle Ben told him with great power, all women are whores. You must kill. <laughs> to, to, to paraphrase one of your old jokes, to, with great power, find and destroy the body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I had that issue of Marvel Tales that reprinted that issue when I was a kid. And let me tell you something. Seeing number one Spider-Man just dead mm. in a bag <laughs> and being dumped like fucking garbage by Spider-Man, that's a hell of a thing for a nine-year-old to read. And that, that didn't one, seem like a very New York death. Wouldn't you just throw him in the East River? Uh, you would think, mm. but uh, no. It's it, Even back then when all they had was fingerprints and shit for forensics, you really need to get rid of the body if, mm. if you're running around a, as the clone of the guy. <laughs> and it's also, it served a purpose. It's, okay, he's not coming back. He's dead. Look, we'll show you the body. We're showing the body going into the smokestack of an incinerator. He's gone now, except he's not. So. Yeah, did the internet explain that to you at all? Like, did somebody intercept the body? Was he that being- is that is something I wasn't able to pick up. Okay, uh, I, I think I read somewhere he woke up at the bottom of the smokestack and realized he had been disposed of, and said, "I must be the clone," and then just went off on his way into the world to become Ben Riley. To become Ben Riley, and yes, he uh, assuming he was the clone, he decided. Even though he's really Peter Parker, even though he has the memories of being Peter Parker, because he was, <laughs> and growing up with Uncle Ben, he decided, I'm just going to get a motorcycle and act erratically and threaten people for free food and booze. Oh, well. Because yeah. with great power, comes free give food me and booze. booze. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, once once the body went into the smokestack, that was supposed to be it. That was the end of it. You know, they they did some more stuff with it, obviously, because it would have been a short fucking forty dollar trade that I've been angry about. Yeah, if it was five issues of comics, but you no, know, they they brought a clone of Warren back as Carrion, 
to fuck with Peter over the Gwen clone. They brought Gwen back at one point uh, and discovered that, according to the High Evolutionary, Warren never actually cloned anybody. He just had this way, this virus or something that he could shoot into people and make regular people look and feel like clones. So it, this was a woman who was just his assistant, shot her full of this stuff and convinced her she was Gwen Stacy. And at the end of that trade, yeah, it turns out they brought her back to her original look and took her memories back and she went back to her regular life as I forget what her name is. That's fucking weak. Yeah. <laughs> so by the end of the the trade of the original clone saga, not only was there never a Gwen clone, there were never clones. It was this was some other assistant that he had done the same thing to to make him think he was Peter. There were no clones at that point. Until <laughs> it's supposedly where the idea of a clone saga came from in the 90s was uh, artistic if you like to draw on money. <laughs> okay. It's, it, it supposedly came from Marvel's upper management who saw DC making fat stacks with Death of Superman and Nightfall, so they wanted a big, epic, change hero forever or at least until the money stops flowing story like that just okay. because they sold a lot of comics. So supposedly the idea started kind of small. It's like, oh, we'll do this up until like Spider-Man 400. But it worked. They sold a shitload of comics. And supposedly what happened was like, okay, uh, let's keep extending it. Let's keep extending it. Let's keep extending it and fucking with it and messing around. First, yeah, Peter was the clone and then Ben was and then they were both supposedly clones of this other thing. And bottom line, everyone was supposedly just making shit up as they go. Meanwhile, fuck that. I'm reading Transmet. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I was... Yeah, I'd read none of the Clone Saga before today. And it turns out I was happier when that's what, was, <laughs> that's what my life situation was. It was really tough to fucking read. Wow. And, I mean, and, and you got to think about this. I mean, it, it, what you put yourself through just to research this today, how much more of that has Dan Slott put himself through? To, oh. <laughs> to try to get ready to write this story. <laughs> I don't like his social media presence, and he takes weird chances with the characters that pan out. But uh, yeah, if he's reading through all this shit, I, he'll have a beer on me at the next convention. Did somebody get at. that man like a purple heart or something? Or? Uh, yeah, God, it's he's <laughs> he's doing God's work <laughs> trying to read through the Clone Saga. It's <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, reading this was yeah, it was like the image age of comics kicked me in the taint. Because, yeah, like we talked about before, everything was like a Liefeld Silvestri knockoff. Yes. You know, all the women, all the women in it looked like they were pressed out of a fucking Barbie mold. Yeah, and, all of all of the women. Like, I, Firestar, my God. Like, they gave her like Jean Grey fucking, it's like Jean Grey and Dazzler had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> It was awful. Um, Can you describe this to me in detail and slowly? <laughs> no. No, all right, thanks. It's no, you're going to have to go best. back and look at the art. <laughs> no, okay, Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, it's, everybody had the giant 80s hair that everybody thought was still cool in the 95 at some point. There were mullets. Yeah, there oh were God. Mullets. They gave Richard Ryder a mullet. That's not cool. They gave him a mullet. Ben Riley had a mullet. And I say this as somebody who's had a ponytail on and off since about 1991. Get your fucking haircut. Everybody in this book, for Christ's sake. It's not for everybody. It's, it's not a default look. Not for everyone. 
This yeah, art is so bad. But yeah, it was pouches and fucking jackets everywhere. And my God, people complain about uh, Monera's anatomy. There is one cover that you pointed out to me, Amanda. Spider-Man yeah. Unlimited number 10. Yeah. With the new extreme vulture. <laughs> extreme He's vulture. Hissing at the reader when clearly he could have spent better time in the position he was in sucking his own dick. There's no way he could have gotten his head where it was. It was difficult to look at as somebody who's just not a fan of 90s art. I mean, even this one issue that's got, like, Bill Sienkiewicz doing finishes, like, it's still really bad art. Like, you can't polish a turd. Like, yeah, <laughs> he did his best, but yeah, the the couple of issues that Sienkiewicz did were probably the best looking of the ones. Ish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did his best with, with the breakdowns and the pencils that were there. Um, yeah. Yeah, everything's just plot-heavy, it's like they, they tried to find a way to shoehorn Scarlet Spider into the New Warriors. And with God as my witness, I don't know if that move was meant to give credibility to the New Warriors or to give credibility to Scarlet Spider. Yeah. And all I know is, as somebody who just wanted to get a taste of the Clone Saga, I had to be exposed to an awful lot of speedball. <laughs> the last guy exposed to that much speedball was John Belushi, and it didn't work out well for him either. It was... And, and yeah, we saw Richard Ryder, but no Nova. So it's like I got all the... But he was bitching about not being Nova anymore. Now he had to be like a bicycle messenger or some shit like that. Yeah, so I got like the depths of what the new warriors had to offer, like Night Thrasher and Speedball. Mm. But anything cool, it's like, oh no, they're on the sidelines. It's just, oh God. Yeah, just new versions, You know, again, extreme versions of villains. We've got the new, you know, young extreme vulture, you know, Dr. Octopus, a female version uh, who, yeah, again, looks like Barbie with mechanical arms and yet organic camel toe, always being shot from below with the thigh gap like she's not even a human being. Uh, <laughs> she's more machine than woman now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, to read it, it, because it required us to believe that Peter Parker would go out and just, uh, oh, I woke up in a smokestack, so... Everything I thought was a lie, and I'll just rough people up in bars until this this man Seward is nice to me and gives me a chance. No, man, uh, I still... seem to be at the bottom of a smokestack. Well, fuck my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, that's a setback. But if you replace smokestack with dumpsters, you can come back from that. I'm living proof. It's not the end of the world. If you can get your hands on the videotape, you can go on with your life as an employable human being. <laughs> There was just so much here that didn't ring true and it wasn't pretty to look at for me. And yeah, just heavy on the plot. Look, here's the ultimate problem with trying to read this. And it's probably, I'm guessing, the problem I would have with the entirety of the Clone Saga based on what I've read about the parts that I haven't seen. You've got Peter Parker, but he's not really Peter Parker, but he's Spider-Man, even though he's not really Spider-Man. And you got Ben Riley, who's really Peter Parker... But he's Scarlet Spider, even though he's really Spider-Man. And Peter, who isn't Peter, is with Mary Jane, even though Ben, who really is Peter, fell in love with Mary Jane before he was ever cloned. Hmm. If you can make fucking sense out of that, you're a better fucking person than I am. I think I saw this when it was a Disney movie, and it had a very young Jodie Foster, and they wanted her to be somebody that she wasn't. There was Peach Melba involved. It's <laughs> <laughs> Even that makes makes more sense. It's... <laughs> Even the shittiest body switching movie, like Father <laughs> Like Son with Kirk Cameron and oh, Dudley God. Moore, makes more sense than this. It just it, does. Big make more sense than this. It absolutely does. Freaky Friday. 
A Lindsay Lohan movie makes more sense than this. Nobody tossed Tom Hanks into a fucking incinerator and then said, okay, and then he lived and let's do big two. <laughs> That's not a thing that happened. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's bad idea that calls bad idea that refers back to the first bad idea and it just eventually just keeps calling itself. as it's a, a recursion. It's a recursion of suck is what it is. <laughs> It goes on and on until it just eventually collapses under its own weight. It's like a black hole of suck. Then. It's, the spider clone saga is the stack overflow error of comics. <laughs> it just, it calls itself until it dies. And it, the best I can tell, it does just die. I know it goes on past volume five. I did enough research that there was still more shenanigans. And after they handed off to Peter, there were huge parts of editorial that wanted Peter to come back. But they didn't want to do that because the child that if Peter was a father, then uh, it would be irresponsible for him to be a superhero. So trying to figure out how to get rid of the kid and get rid of Ben because Ben had become kind of popular in his own right as Scarlet Spider. And in the end, after all this, they bring Norman Osborn back from the dead. For I planned it all. Well, no, nobody planned shit. This thing just sort of happened because editorial said money. <laughs> <laughs> They say it just like that? Uh, probably. <laughs> but it's, this is, even as difficult as certain parts of DC's New 52 became to read, as there was editorial interference and creators came and left and things were changed, or whatever, this is harder. Mm. Now, Bob Harris was not editor-in-chief of Marvel until apparently a good chunk of the way through, but good news he hasn't done anything to DC that's as difficult to read on his face as the 15 or so issues of comics that I tried to read today. Well, that's good to know. It's a start. <laughs> it's, but this, this whole thing, and the, the worst part is this particular trade almost ends with a riff on that classic Steve Ditko, Stan Lee moment from Spider-Man 33, where Peter was a, trapped under all that machinery and the water's coming up and he's talking about, uh, but I can't let Aunt May down. I get, I have to somehow find the strength and he pushes the machinery off him in a big splash page and says, I did it. I had the strength. But in this particular one, Peter, the clone Peter, but the one with a Spider-Man suit, similar thing. He's trapped under something heavy waters rushing in and where Lee and Ditko had Spider-Man push himself to the limit and actually free himself yeah, here, I'm looking at it. Yeah, I think Tom DeFalco wrote it, and he made it so that Spider-Man needed Scarlet Spider's help to do the same thing and still treats it like it's a big fucking victory. When the reality is Spider-Man should be able to do it himself. It's an iconic moment of the character. With this, it's playing to tie. It's saying, oh, it's a, we need both of them. See, now it's a team kind of thing, even though, yes, it's a team kind of thing, and... <laughs> Spider-Man's going to be handed off to Ben Riley, who's really Peter Parker. My head's starting to hurt. I, I taste blood, and I might be smelling burning toast. This is just, it's so fucking hard. It, yeah, yeah, and the art doesn't help. It, just, it doesn't. Yeah, this whole thing just feels like playing to tie. It's, they, there is no ending in sight. From everything I've read and what I read here, it's, no, let's try this so we can keep it going. No, let's try this so we can keep it It's like a, a junkie that you keep inviting into your house and shit keeps going missing. <laughs> and he's, he'll keep coming back and stealing shit as long as he doesn't have to, okay, as long as the money keeps coming, everybody's happy. It's just, it, it was really 
it was hard to read. I really found myself engaged by the first trade of the original stories, mm. even as they descended into, oh no, the jackal's really carrion and has a death touch. And <laughs> it explodes pools full of water when he touches them, but it turns out he's not really a clone. It was much more engaging than, <laughs> who's the clone? <laughs> it's three-card Monty with Spider-Man's I say it's a nut. shell game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the question... Of is the clone conspiracy is 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 that something that I want to go back and revisit the clone saga? No, I'm I'm done with it. I don't regret having missed it. Uh, I kind of wish I hadn't bought this one trade to just get a sense of it. Okay, you can give it back for strict credit. I'm probably gonna. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll buy better shit and more of it. It's it'll be a good trade. There you Everyone go. wins. Clearly, people bought one through four. <laughs> Maybe that's it. There's somebody out there right now going, shit, I really need number five. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe five is the piece of shit of the whole thing. Maybe I missed a glorious fucking four-volume story Somehow that, I doubt it. that raised the medium, yeah. and I just got... <laughs> no, yeah. you don't think so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right. Mm, no. <laughs> so do I want spider clones revisited in the clone conspiracy? Well, I, I guess no, the question is... I don't. Well, I, I, here's the question. You know, With these other stories that... that Slot came up with, he had some larger purpose in exploring what it meant to be Spider-Man. Yes. So, okay, what if somebody else has the spider powers and not the upbringing? What is that? You know, what kind of hero are they? What if everybody has spider powers? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, what, it, what does he want to tell by bringing back clones? They, that just because you shared the DNA, you are not the same person because reasons. Um, <laughs> well, that would seem to be the easiest theme to follow. Look, I, I am of two minds on having these clones come back. And I'm assuming that fine, we're calling, calling it the clone conspiracy. And we've shown all these people in the art. We're going to bring a whole bunch of people and back. Are we eventually using this technology to um, retcon Steve Nazi Rogers? Like and Who knows? Because it's all going to get retconned eventually. Mm. And that's the thing to remember. For all these things, eventually we went back to a status quo. Mm. The events are very much eight steps forward and seven and a half back. Right. Yeah, they might move a little bit. Secret Wars gave us multinational... Rich guy Spider-Man, even that'll go away eventually. Yes. You know, Miles Morales is holding down the fort on street-level Spider-Man stuff, and that's great. But eventually he'll move to something else, and yeah, so everything goes, everything trends back toward, hey, I want to play with a toy I had as a kid. Exactly. You know, there's a, from a creative standpoint. There's a certain level of, of entropy and then collapse. <laughs> yeah. So whatever happens in this, a lot of it's going to go away eventually, but there is something to the idea that leaving great characters off the board because of continuity in a medium where resurrection's been on the table probably since the first time the Joker fell off a cliff, but nobody found a body. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something to be said for saying, fine, let's bring some of those back and tell some stuff. I mean, Bucky. Yeah. For years, people said, you bring back Bucky, we'll riot. Well, Ed Brubaker told great fucking stories with Bucky. Exactly. And the Winter Soldier and making Bucky eventually Captain America. Well, that, that's what it comes down to, though, is it, if you have a good story that you want to tell, then, yeah, you shouldn't be limited by arbitrary rules. It's when people do things and it comes off more as a shock value thing, Steve Rogers, Nazi. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, that it, 
devalues the idea of of um, not having rules. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And it's, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second with Dan's comment about, you know, oh, we're not killing characters. But I suppose that's the question. Bringing back some of these ancillary Spider-Man characters, does it add anything to Spider-Man to have them in play? I mean, it, what does it add to have Uncle Ben back, say? It, it, the only thing I can think of is, like with the original Gwen clone, some level of opportunity for closure for uh, May and Peter. Okay, so it's it's a short-term potential fix. And spoilers on the latest issue of Amazing Spider-Man, I think 14. Mm. But uh, Aunt May was shown coughing up some blood. Uh-oh. So... <laughs> Well, you know, then maybe it's going to be some sort of surrogate to get Peter through the potential death of May. (laughs) Or there's some technology that comes out of this that fixes May. We saw May die twice. You know how he gets through it? She dies more often than Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) She's close to Kenny at this point. (laughs) Oh, no, they killed Aunt May, you (laughs) bastards. We've seen how he deals with it, either with Grace, as in Amazing Spider-Man 400, or as in, I'll do anything. I'll suck the devil's taint no matter what it takes in fucking (laughs) one more day. Yeah. So that's a story that's been told. We don't need to see how Uncle Ben's going to help him through it. I got nothing. (laughs) I'm trying to come up with excuses why they would do this. Ben Riley, great. You've already got 15 Spider-Man titles of one former sort right now anyway. Didn't he get killed in Spider-Verse? I thought I saw him get spiked by one of those. Yeah, and even then, I think he was an alternate universe Ben Riley. I think Ben Riley eventually got killed in the Spider-Clone saga. Okay. Part of me wants to say I'm not being fair to Spider-Clone, because I didn't read all of it. I read this one volume out of God knows how many there would be, but it's really fucking not good. I don't want to give it more of a chance. Yeah. Look, there are people who are fond of Ben Riley, so if anybody's going to come back and stay back and probably get their own little title, I guess it would be him. Sure, why not? (laughs) God knows my brother gets excited when a Spider-Man video game comes out. He's like, I unlocked the Scarlet Spider costume. I'm like, really? I went to work the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it, didn't, it can work. Because I, I do come back to John Byrne's argument when he did Man of Steel and he took a certain amount of shit that he didn't have Superman's father die. Mm. And he argued Superman didn't need to lose either of his parents because he, he was raised right. He'd have been Superman and that kind of person anyway. I mean, that could apply to Spider-Man. I um, suppose. I suppose retroactively bring back an Uncle Ben or something like that because he's learned the lesson from the death or whatever, but... Uh, Well, except that Superman had his powers from birth, and so part of his upbringing, which is why he was raised right, you know, in the non-Zack Snyder versions of Superman... (laughs) Yeah. um, ...is... is (laughs) As opposed to the Zack Snyder version, no son, sit there. Lock eyes with me. Look at me. I'm going to be sucked up by this tornado. I want you to look at me, Clark. Look at me. Hide all the time. Hide who you are. No one will accept you. And watch me die. Yeah. Um, Clark, as he's growing up, is instilled with these things from birth because they're working with him around his power set from birth so that it's... Yeah, whereas Peter gets his powers when he's a 16-year-old and impulsive. So even though arguably he was raised right by his aunt and uncle... He's now at that stage where, what would any nerd do if they immediately have the power to pound other jocks? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why he has to have the with great power comes great responsibility speech that he can't accept until it's too late. Well, and that's part of what you know, I was talking before about it being an accident and an adolescent power fantasy. That's part of what makes Spider-Man, I think, as relatable as he always has. Amazing Fantasy number 15 is genius economy of storytelling yeah, and smart characterization in that yeah, you hand that to a 10-year-old, you got spider powers. I'm going to be on TV and be famous, and uh, nobody's going to fuck with me again. And it requires a trauma to overcome that. Right. Because no 15-year-old, and particularly not a 10-year-old reading about a 15-year-old, is automatically going to say, I'm going to be a superhero. Right. Right. You, you, you might if you're reading the comic book. But yeah, if I got hit by a meteor, first I get myself checked for lymphoma. And then if I have superpowers... Yeah, I'm probably going to the bank and <laughs> Well, and if if I'm a if I'm a 14, 15-year-old and and that happens to me, the first thing I'm doing after I check for damage is <laughs> is I I who shoved me in a locker last week? Right. I have a list. <laughs> yeah. So that was part of the genius of Amazing Fantasy 15. It's it addressed that. You would be selfish. Yeah. And it required him to have a loss to really understand and really grow up. Mhm. Yeah, cuz yeah, he, if you're going to call him Spider-Man, there needs to be something that moves him up a level of maturity from your average 15-year-old. Interestingly, there, when we start talking about some of the other books this week, um, there's some of that in uh, Superman number one. Yes, there is. <laughs> and it's really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> Even though that's the one with the Watchmen shit in it this week. It's we'll still get to really it. Fucking... We'll get to it. Yes. <laughs> so I can understand from... A Marvel writer's, not necessarily just Dan Slott's, but a Marvel writer's point of view that having these characters available is better than just arbitrarily saying, well, because of continuity, we can't have them. And certainly if there's a good story to be told with them, look, Spider-Gwen is a good story. Mm-hmm. It's a, I have not loved the book. I've checked in and out of it, but they've done something that is clearly connected with people that they could not have done if they had arbitrarily said nobody gets to touch Gwen Stacy again. In order to do it, though, they had to really flesh out Gwen as a character beyond girlfriend of Spider-Man. Yeah, but you know what? They did it in one issue. They did it in one issue of Spider-Verse, and it hooked people right in. I don't disagree. And Latour (laughs) has done really good stuff in fleshing out this alternate universe that she has been in. Yeah. Uh, Although after Secret Wars, again, I've not kept up with it a lot. For all I know, she's over in Brooklyn with with Batgirl. (laughs) No, but what I'm saying, though, is, and it sort of happened concurrently with um, Emma Stone portraying her in the Andrew Garfield years yeah. of, of Amazing Spider-Man, it, it, it's creating a strong female character for girls to say, ooh. <laughs> yeah. So they had to put more in there. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you bring Gwen Stacy back and just slap a costume on her, it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. No, that would have been the 90s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God, part of me is just flashing to, I bet that's in some issue of one of these five volumes. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah, I think I'm done with those. (laughs) But it also made me reconsider when I, you know, went back and reread Ultimate Spider-Man back when it was the early run when it was Peter Parker, not Miles Morales. Yeah. It actually gives a certain amount more power when they bring Gwen back as a clone in that. (laughs) Well, yeah, because they did something with her beyond, you know, looking at, looking at even, and again, I enjoyed the original Spider-Clone story. Mm. They didn't do a hell of a lot with her. She showed up, 
and said, no, I'm, I don't have my memories. She's and, a prop. She's a, a beautiful, you know, sort of vacant prop. <laughs> yeah, and it's Peter's reaction to her that has the emotional weight until a certain point where Peter finally says, okay, I'm coming to terms with this and I'm going to go talk to her. And there's, it's really not a long scene where they begin to relate to each other before the jackal comes in and starts doing some more fucking cloning. Yeah, yeah. So, that, yeah, she's very much a prop for Peter to think, I'm going insane. How could somebody perpetrate this kind of hoax on me? And then she goes off and cries and <laughs> stays with <laughs> stays with MJ. It's Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, they certainly have done what they need to do to make Spider-Gwen work. There could be good stories for some of these other characters who have sort of gone by the wayside. But on the other hand, to take it from the other point of view, bringing bringing characters back from the dead in comics is kind of one of the worst fucking things that's been going on for the last 15 years or so. At this rate, the only characters who are going to ever be allowed to remain dead, as far as we know, will be Martha and Thomas Wayne. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And how much would that fuck up Batman's world if they came back from the dead? (laughs) Retire. (laughs) Eat some ice cream. <laughs> Watch some TV. Ooh. <laughs> Let Alfred uh, not have to sew up his neck. It's a, no, make me evening wear. I'm going to get laid. It's about time. Writers of DC properties, don't bring back the wines. Yeah, please don't, don't do that, for Christ's sake. Don't. You threatened with a Lazarus pit at one point yeah, during uh, Graham Morrison's run. It's a, it's not a good way to go. Don't do it. Please don't do it. <laughs> for the love of God. <laughs> but yeah, part of the problem with comics, probably, I'm trying to think if, if there's a, point where it just became part of me wants to say when they brought back Jason Todd at least apparently in Hush part of me wants to say mm, bringing back Hal Jordan mm. it's something in the early 2000s where it just sort of became open season on yeah anybody can come back now well it, it's like writers get to a certain point where the editors let them take liberties and if that involves bringing back characters they do and we've talked about it. Sometimes it works out well. Ed Brubaker's run with Bucky and, and the Winter Soldier stories. However, it can go wrong as as much as Bendis has done some great work. <laughs> you know, the excuse of, oh, let's time travel so we can bring back young X-Men because I want to play with that sandbox. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, the part of that, I just don't care about those X-Men. I never have. Yeah, but it just it felt like, ugh, all right, so this is what you want to write about this week. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, and by doing it, it makes death mean nothing in comics. Right. Because everybody can come back. And yeah, certainly some great stories have come out of bringing some of these characters back. Hal Jordan's one of them. You, know, you don't bring Hal Jordan back. It's a much longer, weirder road to get to the Sinestro Corps War mm-hmm. and Blackest Night. But the night Gwen Stacy died is classic because her death meant something. Yeah. I mean, nobody's clamoring to bring back Kyle Rayner's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. it's Gwen didn't come back. Even with the clone, it was, okay, it's a clone, and then eventually it's not a clone, and then eventually it was a clone, and Spider-Clone Saga makes my fucking head hurt. It's... Writers of DC Properties, please don't clone Kyle Reiner's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for God's sake. Although you can give Kyle Reiner something to do. It's about time. Yeah, but, that'd be all right. But Gwen's death, you could argue it was a fridging. I would argue Peter was about on a collision course to 
get into a kill fight with Green Goblin anyway. But also Gwen's death helped motivate Mary Jane to become a more sympathetic person Mm. and become a more empathetic character. It's not a fridging if it also moves along the story of the women (laughs) in in the story. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think that was definitely the case here. And I think Jerry Conway was smart in having that be part of the story. I mean, certainly it was an earlier time. And yes, certainly it was enough of a fridging slash motivation for Peter to turn it into just about a battle to the death. Right. So th- that element is certainly there. I'm not going to argue that it's not. I would argue it's not a straight fridging because there was other motivations that happened with those other characters. But at the same time, those motivations aren't there if she could just come back from the fucking dead. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm thinking back to Fear Itself where we saw Thor get killed and Captain America get killed and they were fucking resurrected before the end of the miniseries. Yeah. You know, so for Dan Slott to say, oh, I'm trying to do the opposite of that, and bring it, it's disingenuous. Everybody fucking comes back now. There is no, oh, we killed this guy. The, no, the death is temporary in comics, and arguably always has been, but definitely has been since about 2000. But again, here's my, my point. Bring back whoever you want, fine, but it's got to have purpose, and it's got to be a good story. It can't just be because you want to play with that sandbox. Absolutely. It's, it, ultimately, a good story forgives itself, arguably is a good story that negates a classic story good enough to negate that classic story. If they bring back Gwen Stacy as a clone who will now, she's a clone, but she's got all of Gwen's memories and she's walking around the Marvel universe. Can you tell a good enough story to make the night Gwen Stacy died now not matter? Is the argument, no, it still matters because Peter lived through it and he still remembers it and it still motivated him in a certain way. I don't, know, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. What I know is the, the concept of, oh, no, this is a big celebrity comic death. They don't mean a fucking thing. And once upon a time, it did. But it is, it's also beginning to feel like between um, Marvel and DC that writers are getting to a certain point where they can't write themselves out of a situation. Um, the character is killed and then immediately brought back either as a clone or from an alternate universe as a reset. Well, and it certainly feels that way these days because Marvel just went through Secret Wars and DC is going through Rebirth. So that's literally what's been happening for the last 10 yeah, months that, in comics. But that's, you know, in the big two. I don't think that's a valid reason to bring back a character um, because you couldn't figure out a good way to end your story or your story was going on too long and becoming too convoluted. Well, that's on you. Write better. <laughs> Excuse me. Please don't die. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Rough haul on my plastic cigarette. Um, <laughs> can you give me a, a specific example you're thinking of? Um, well, I'm thinking of how Superman was recently killed, and now they're bringing back four versions of of a Superman. <laughs> yes. Okay. That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that was purely a case of we don't know what to do with this guy, and you know what? It's just much easier to. <laughs> Yeah, no, you all right, that's a good one. And and the you know, the death of Wolverine completely devalued by the the shitty, like long ass way they took to finally offing him and then, oh, let's bring back old man Logan. Like, all right. <laughs> I'm actually kind of okay with that. And part of why I'm okay with it is honestly I've really been enjoying Jeff Lemire's old man Logan title. Moving Wolverine out of the way, number one for a younger version, uh, number two a female version, which is kind of interesting. 
but making old man Logan almost like a Clint Eastwood man with no name, man mm. with no past, is a very, not a very different kind of take on Wolverine, but it tacks enough outside of, hey man, all this history of almost any character other than Spider-Man and Marvel, Wolverine was loaded down with more continuity and this and this and this. It allows kind of a clean break to have the Logan character there with familiar characterizations, but you have to make him a little bit different because, okay, he's a version who's lost a step, who's from somewhere else, who doesn't necessarily know everything, and can really be the teacher that he had sort of moved into being, particularly under Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men. I see where you're coming from. I just feel as though... Wolverine, because of all of that history and continuity, that's a big deal to take that character out. That's a that's a character who's a linchpin in so many other storylines. And then to be like, all right, and now we're moving on with these other characters, and and one of them is basically Logan. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's I understand your point, and I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I do a little bit, and I do a little bit only because the six one six Wolverine is still dead. Yeah. Which I respect. Okay, you killed him. He's still dead. Did you take a cop-out way to have a Logan character? Yeah, of course they did. There was no way on God's earth Marvel was not going to have a Logan of some former sort walking around. It wasn't going to happen. Any more than Sam Wilson being the only Captain America was going to happen. Thor Odin's son is still out there. Even though the Jane Foster Thor is ably carrying that book right now. It's, you drop these popular characters at your peril what you do is and it feels like they're kind of taking pages from dc try and make it legacy yeah and for a character who does not age and almost cannot be killed the only way you have a legacy character for wolverine is to kill him and find a way to artificially age him out of being wolverine no i I see what you're saying i see what you're saying i guess yeah, it, is it a cop out to get Logan back? Yeah, sure, but it was going to happen one way or the other. And I much prefer what Marvel has done to get Old Man Logan in to keep Logan there than just saying within six months after Secret Wars, oh surprise, do over. Yeah, no, which they easily could have done. No, that, that's that's valid. I think I just I wasn't a fan of the death of Wolverine to begin with. So going forward, it just has not been a successful. Like continuation of the story for me. I really believe Wolverine, uh, all new Wolverine uh, by Tom Taylor mm. uh, with X-23 as Wolverine and Old Man Logan is as good a polish you could put on the turd of <laughs> high-level editorial saying, we need somebody dead. Charles Sewell, you're a good writer. Welcome to Marvel. You're killing Wolverine. <laughs> Just go kill him. Here's a fruit basket and your first assignment. Kill Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> Here's where the office supplies are. And uh, yeah, occasionally we go out for drinks at the Bannigans around the corner. And uh, your first task. on Fridays. Yes. And your first task will be to kill one of the most popular characters <laughs> that we've ever had. Welcome to Marvel. <laughs> if you need anything, I'll be down the hall. I've, I've had first weeks at work like that. I quit those fucking jobs. <laughs> Look, if there's a good story to be had with bringing back even clone versions of some of these characters, part of me is on board. Part of me very much wants to say, for Christ's sake, this was what amounted to a five or six issue story in the early 70s of Spider-Man that has become 
such a huge part, and I'll say a blight on the fucking character. The 90s you can almost write off of Spider-Man because of this clone shit. I want to be done with clones in Spider-Man. I really do. Can Dan Slott do something interesting with him? Well, shit, he did something interesting with fucking Moreland and, you know, and that spider totem shit. Send in the clones. Again, with <laughs> send in the clones. God damn it. Where's my whiskey funnel? I haven't done many sound effects this show. <laughs> it's because you've been so angry. Well, I had to read the spider clones. I swore I never would. <laughs> I, I do want to say this is something that I did write down ahead of time and bring to the studio today. Okay, sweetie. I do want this to be known. After the clone conspiracy, the next time Marvel or anybody at Marvel says they don't reboot, I want you to laugh in their fucking faces. <laughs> and, and here's why. We're about to have a story where Spider-Man, who was Peter Parker before he was a clone and then became Peter Parker again, is going to face a villain who cloned him before he was the clone and then not the clone, and it's all coming after a time when we learned that the villain couldn't clone at all until it turned out that he could again. Now, that villain, he's going to bring back probably the clone of Peter's first girlfriend, who is a clone, but previously was some girl named Joyce Delaney who got shot up with a virus to look like Gwen Stacy before she was a clone. And he's also going to maybe bring back Uncle Ben, which will be a shock to Aunt May, who's currently alive after being dead, but before being kidnapped by Norman Osborn, who was also previously dead. And either way, it'll probably be difficult for Peter to see his first love again, particularly after moving on and marrying Mary Jane before that marriage was eliminated by Mephisto to stop Aunt May from dying, even though Aunt May has been dead once already. Marvel doesn't reboot, ladies and gentlemen. Marvel does not reboot. (laughs) Slow and steady continuity from Marvel Comics for over 70 years. Wow. Anything else uh, we want to talk about? No, I don't think I can follow that. I I can't follow that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you want to talk a few comics? Let's talk some comics. Which one uh, you want to do first? Uh, Whatever order you've got those in, it's fine. Um, All right, we'll stick with Marvel for right now. Okay. Uh, Civil War Two, number two, even though it's the fourth issue of Civil War Two. Yep, number uh, two. Written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by David Marquez. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'll. Give me your first impressions. There's We're going to spoil these. Yes, spoilers um, on all the issues coming up. Carol, she don't learn. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't. So in in this one, uh, Tony kidnaps Ulysses for the purposes of studying his brain to find out uh, whether or not these visions are for the purpose of good or the purpose of evil and points out to the kid, well... You know, I'm having people do deep background checks on you because I need to know if there's some level of bias here that could be swaying people or swaying your visions and therefore swaying the actions of other people who are seeking to change the future. And the kid says, well, gee, could have asked before you kidnap me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then realize that that is sort of a valid concern. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it was well written in having Tony explain himself in a way that would make Ulysses at least understand the concerns. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily doubt himself, but but get where he was coming from. However, kidnapping Ulysses is viewed by the Inhumans, probably rightly, as an act of war. A little bit. A little bit. A little act of war there. So the Ultimates have to go in and try to clean up the mess, uh, and Carol just sees the, the next vision that Ulysses has, which is of the Hulk destroying everyone on the team's as as something that 
compels her to go find Bruce Banner, who so far has not been in the story, would have been really helpful to have been in the story. Well, Issues ago. Bruce Banner has been out of play as the Hulk since Secret Wars. Right. So, I mean, the question is, because it, it looks like she's she's ready to take him out. Um, hasn't Amadeus Cho been the Hulk? That is, uh, yes, he has been the Hulk. Uh, it has been a very fun book, actually. So how do we know that this vision Ulysses is having is of Banner and not of Cho? I am going to take on faith that Bendis is smart enough to eventually address that. I'm going to take on faith that Bendis is smart enough to take half-cocked assumptions based on a vision from somebody going sideways. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I, if I had to hazard a guess, we're going to find out that it that it was Cho. We've seen, uh, I've been, I don't think I've had every issue, but I've been half-following uh Totally awesome Hulk. Yeah. And we've seen Cho lose control. Right. Or come close to losing control a few times. Yeah, because there's there, the interesting idea of, so what happens if you have these gamma-based powers and you're still fighting raging puberty hormones? Yeah, no, it's it's been a fun book. But but yeah, it's I can easily see Carol making a misinterpretation because it's it would be something that would happen with this kind of thing. Oh, somebody tells you something. If you don't interpret your data correctly, then you can't act on it. Exactly. And, and I guess there's a lot of, of Carol going off half-cocked in a way that I might expect of Hal Jordan. <laughs> Granted, different universe, different publisher. but Yeah, but also very similar character background. A yeah. military pilot with cosmic powers who is used to, if not being in charge, uh, making their own decisions. Right. There's, it's filthy to say there's a lot of Hal Jordan in Carol Danvers. <laughs> Filthy and wrong, and that's why I shouldn't say it. And I'm shocked at you that you would think I would say such a thing. <laughs> I, I heard nothing. I've, I've heard dead air for the last ten minutes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know, the lips are moving. But you know. But yeah, it's it's the kind of thing that Hal Jordan would do. It's the kind of thing Carol Danvers would do. It's yeah, kind of go off and half cocked. I love the fact they're bringing the Hulk into it. Yeah. Uh, particularly after Mar- Marvel went the hell out of their way to make sure Hulk was not available to be a player in the first Civil War. Right. Now, granted, making that decision gave us Planet Hulk, and I'm not sure I'd trade seeing the Hulk in the first Civil War for the Planet Hulk arc. That was pretty good. But, yeah, having a group of people able to say, we have a Hulk, that certainly didn't hurt Joss Whedon. No. So no. <laughs> I'm hoping Bendis can uh, maybe do something with that. I mean, I think there was more going on in this issue than in the previous issue to help move the story forward up to a point it still felt really talky to me well that's a bendis book though yeah but that's i was gonna say it was talky in the sense that it was tony stark written by bendis to talk like robert downey jr so i am willing to accept it up to a point right but yeah the pay we're four comics into this story and the action hasn't started yet it's civil war not civil negotiation not civil discourse, yo. That's not how we're rocking in this thing. True. But I, I think I got more out of this issue than some of the previous ones just because Tony at least was able to make his motivations more clear, get the kid to kind of hear what he had to say. Well, it's, that's one of the things that I have enjoyed about the series up until now. I think Bendis has done a good job with the characterization in demonstrating that everyone for reasons that if you stop and think, everyone thinks they're right. Yeah. And if you can put yourself in their shoes, 
yeah, you can see why they think that. You've got Tony thinking the misuse of seeing the future is dangerous and wants to understand its nature before they use it. Medusa thinking, arguably very corrected, correctly, that her people will be mistrusted and oppressed if anybody gives them a chance and that she absolutely has to protect her people. Then Captain Marvel thinking that knowing the future and not using that knowledge to protect people is immoral and irresponsible. So it's everyone thinks they're right and everyone kind of is right, mm. which is uh, such a drastic change from Civil War One, which required Tony Stark to act like act like a crypto fascist. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, the plot don't go forward. I'm just a little surprised, and maybe this will come out in some of the other issues down the line, that there haven't been more big sciencey brainy types that have uh, weighing in on this to give Carol at least their perspective. There aren't that many left. Mister Fantastic is off creating universes. He's not even in the six one six right now. But like you know, T'Challa must have somebody in Wakanda who could come by and say, "Hey." <laughs> he probably does, uh, and it may not be directly addressed. But taking a step back, T'Challa, as a leader of a sovereign nation, probably would understand the problematic nature of saying give me your subject for medical testing or I'm going to come take them. No, but at the very least to give Carol perspective on whether it is or is not a good idea to act on what may be a future vision. But that motivation comes in direct conflict with Medusa's motivation, which is we offered to share Ulysses' gift with you and you immediately reacted with distrust, which we were hoping our offering of sharing Ulysses' gift with you would get past us, so I am going to protect my person as opposed to say, oh, you don't trust us, so you want me to hand them over to you? No, I'm not going to do that. No, I, I get what you're saying. I just It feels as though Stark is going to be the lone voice trying to argue but science. <laughs> he will be up to a point. Eventually, something's going to go wrong. Something has to be the flashpoint to start hostilities in a civil war. Right. And certainly it won't be Tony Stark alone out there against Carol Danvers and everybody. <laughs> yeah, which suggests that whatever interaction Danvers is about to have with Banner is going to go sideways and then we're going to have science bros. Yeah, very possible because, yeah, all right, there's your genius. Yeah. Except now he can't be brought into play because he is under suspicion. Well, which is where it, it may end up being Cho anyway. It might be. Or it could be Ulysses either under control of something or by his own volition, if there is something sinister going on under the hood, saying, if I accuse the Hulk, mm -hmm. then he cannot be a trustworthy player in the ascert ascertaining of whether or not I'm a douchebag. Or Banner, having not demonstrated any Hulk powers recently, which is why Amadeus Cho has been the Hulk. Because there was whatever it was that happened, we, we don't know. In, in Cho's book, something happened to Banner, and then yeah. he was sidelined and not able to be the Hulk. Yeah, well, we have still not found out what happened. There as is, far as I know, there is every possibility that you know Danvers is going to bring Banner back to Ultimates Central, find out that Jen is in a coma and or dead, and then something will trigger and he's going to Hulk the fuck out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very possible. Uh, how well I like this story right now is how much I can extrapolate what I think is happening. And I think you and I have extrapolated a couple things. But even 
even with this, this is a story inconsistency because they're all like in the previous book, gee, if only we had um, a gamma radiation specialist out here who could help while Jen is dying. If you knew where Banner was, why the fuck didn't you go out there and fly him back? Oh, now I have to go back and and read that issue where, uh, yeah, Danvers was there. She could have done it. Yeah. Anybody who was a flyer, Thor, could have gone and fucking done it. Yeah, that's true. Although, based on the timing of how quickly she... I really... See, that's the thing. The the intimation in this issue is that she is just in bad shape. I thought she was dead at the end of issue one. Either way, if they needed somebody... <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly... <laughs> humans have fucking teleporters. Yeah, Monica Rambeau was around. She yeah. can move at the speed of light. She yeah. Can, yeah, there were things that could have been done. <laughs> Look, any big story like this is going to be holes in it. Which is why I think it's possible that when Banner finds out what happened to Jen, he's going to, it's, there's going to be consequences. I would like to see that. Because it will go back directly to Danvers made a call. She made the wrong call. Well, also, wasn't, wasn't it issue zero that Doc Samson was around and talking to Carol Danvers? There's another yep. gamma expert. Yep. And also profiling her on his tablet and sending it back to someone we're not sure who. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Danvers' blind spot as to the righteousness of her cause may be her Achilles heel in this. Yes. And there are certainly, now that you mention it, more signs that might be already happening than I originally thought. Because I've got a note here saying, yeah, she's already off the reservation going toward Banner. But yeah, she had a lot of options and she's not using them and just doing what she thinks is right. Right. Then again, so is Tony. Yeah, but... <laughs> But Tony, as you pointed out already, is doing a better job at articulating motivations that make sense beyond, I'm Tony Stark, that's why. <laughs> yeah, and the treatise on free will that I'm hoping we'll get at least a piece of in this really hasn't poked his head up, but if it has, it's been through Tony, who in his investigation of Ulysses, is asking about his background and his upbringing to see whether his own prejudices, his own free will, might be affecting his predictions. So I'm kind of hopeful we'll still see something like that, because that could make this really a classic story to me if they go that deep. Well, yeah, because there's got to be a certain point where they reference back the fact that Ulysses, before getting his powers, was a nobody that everybody ignored. So now you've got this, this power to see the future and get attention for that. Or, or the question is, is he seeing the future or is he creating it to keep attention on himself? Exactly. So. Exactly. And what does that mean for free will for others? God, I hope they get into that. That's a, I see little seeds of that kind of story being here. And if they can get that deep, this could really be something that I treasure. And, you know, as much as... People uh, may disagree with Stark's choice to kidnap Ulysses. The the scene where they're trying to get some brain activity so that Friday can can do a scan and create a virtual brain. The the fact that you've created an AI, an AI that will tell you things like hit him again. <laughs> <laughs> I want I have my, a spike in brain activity. Hit him again. <laughs> I, want, I want my computer to give me those kind of orders. <laughs> Uh, computer, I'd like to order this kind of grill. No, buy a flamethrower. Okay, computer, I like you. <laughs> I think we should hang out. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the bat computer doesn't even tell you. <laughs> yeah. Master Wayne, hit him again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's I'm 
enjoying it more as it goes on because they haven't dashed my hopes for a very it's the characterization is working uh, again i will bendis tony stark dialogue talking like robert downey jr in the movies goes a long way toward keeping me placated that's working for me now i'm hoping for something that really gets into that kind of free will and making everybody question am i doing this because i want to or because i have to or you know, that would be a really interesting story to me right it's in the meantime, and also to be fair, it would it would be a good thing to to set tone in the face of previous. It was talking about with the the spider stories. You know, can't something just be, or does it have to be destiny? Yeah, it's. I would really love a story like that. In the meantime, the other stuff is beginning to fall into place for me. Like I said, the characterization where everybody feels they're doing the right thing, and if you can put yourself in their shoes for a second, yeah, they are from their point of view. Yeah, that's working for me. I want to like this. And so far, there's been nothing to really put me off it. So far. So far. That said, it's a Marvel event. <laughs> and I can count on one hand the number of ones I've really liked in the last 15 years. We tend to approach our events these days in a glass half empty kind of manner. <laughs> yeah, I count on one hand. I can almost count on one finger. And yeah. I'd really have to stop and think. Mm. Planet Hulk. And yeah. that was a self-contained. Yeah. That was a storyline, not an event. Right. World War Hulk was not as good as I hoped. Yeah, at best, the Marvel events have been sort of, oh, it was all right. Yeah. All right, anything else on that? No. All right, move on to Superman. Yeah. Superman number one. <laughs> Written by Peter Tomasi, art by Patrick Gleason. Actually, I think Gleason also worked on the story. Yeah, he was also the storyteller, so he may be yeah. a co-plotter as well as the, the penciler. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'll let you make comments, but uh, I'll start out with this is probably the best Superman comic I've read in five or six Maybe more years. Well, that was my comment, actually, when I handed this to you so you could take notes, uh, was I? this is the best Superman uh, issue I've read in some time. However, it wasn't really about Superman. Not really. <laughs> uh, up to a certain point. But, Superman was in it. <laughs> well, look, let's, let's talk about the positive. It does one thing that it did. It does one thing better than happened in DC Rebirth Superman. Mm. Uh, number one, it really it puts the new fifty two version finally behind us. Yes, and in DC Rebirth Superman one, we spent a whole fucking issue of trying to deal with him and figure out, oh, what do we do with him? Can we read? You know, can we resurrect him? Oh, I don't think we can. And here's three pages. Yeah, they, they recap he's dead, that he's <laughs> not coming back, and they show that we're back to the more traditional Superman with that really awesome double page spread of the classic rip open the shirt to oh, yeah. show the and it was just a big colorful classic and, and superman that's what you want to see <laughs> exactly it was old school superman and it takes care of it in three pages we yeah. did not need dc rebirth superman at all that it was i don't want to say it was a wasted book but we didn't need it. it took care of the same thing in three pages here and we all moved on with our lives yeah but you're right it was as much about his son jonathan mm-hmm. as it as it was about Superman. And I, I was not expecting to like that whole angle. Yeah. You know, the whole, you know, when I saw in the DC rebirth, the big poster and you know, the Superman and like, son. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? And it's probably, it's purely based on Damian Wayne. <laughs> Batman having a son has been a kick in the taint of that character for seven, eight years now. I can't stand Damian Wayne. I almost don't know what you can do to redeem the character for me. There's, and, there's nothing to be done, and it doesn't really matter, because if you kill him, he'll just come back. Exactly. He's already done <laughs> just, it once, because <laughs> death means nothing in comics now. You hear me, Dan Slott? <laughs> Leave somebody dead. Anybody. <laughs> 
But also in the promo posters, yeah, it's Jonathan Kent in sort of a half punk kid sweatshirt Superman uniform standing right next to Damian Wayne. Mm. So it's uh, like my parents always told me, people are going to judge you by your asshole friends. (laughs) That's what happened until I actually got to know it. But I kind of like Tomasi played this very well. Because he came across as an actual kid, kid, where Damian Wayne never did. The moment, again, spoilers here, this is going to sound horrible, and it, it kind of is, but it's also something you never really see in Superman, so when he accidentally kills his cat. Oh, God, that, that was gutted. <laughs> yeah, with a, a hawk or an eagle picks his cat up. It's a hawk, yeah. Yeah, and he tries to take the hawk out, but wipes them both out, and it's... Number one, let's focus on just, we see very little in Superman stories of Clark when he was a kid really learning to use his powers. You, you get yeah. you get a little bit, you see him, you know, out racing the train and Superman the movie. You know, you get one negative moment in like the Man of Steel movie where his super hearing goes out of control and his uh, x-ray vision. Yeah, they cover a little bit of it in, in Smallville, but. Yeah, but in reality, somebody with Superman's powers he would have been incredibly destructive. Yeah. You know, he would, I guarantee you, he would, he's pet at least one dog to death. Yeah. He slammed a door and wiped out a whole wall of the house. Yep. You know, given cows tumors the size of your fist just by x-ray visioning them and going, hey, this is cool. God, you better hope this kid doesn't sleepwalk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or have wet dreams. There's holes blown on the fucking roof of the house. Make him a blanket out of his fucking Superman cape. <laughs> why are you strapping me to the bed, Dad? What is this? <laughs> why is my nightlight made out of kryptonite? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, there would have been legitimately terrifying moments. Yeah. Because he wouldn't have understood what was happening to him, and his parents would not have been able to describe it. Right. Well, I mean, Dad might have. Lois... There's no reason why she's not like... Well, no, I'm talking Clark Kent. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, yeah. So, and and in here, yeah, Jonathan at least has somebody who can explain certain things, but he reacts like a kid would. He did something wrong that he said he wouldn't do, and it went badly, and he's really sorry for it, but he's still afraid of getting caught. Well, and, and, and compounded by that is the neighbor's kid saw him. <laughs> yeah, so we know he's fucked. So he does what a kid would do. He's like, uh, preemptively, no, you're bad. So yeah. <laughs> I did that a million times with with my parents. It's you know, preemptively say, "No, you're the bad guy." It's so it it just it it came across authentic. Yeah. No, it's I I really enjoyed this issue, and then at the end, when Wonder Woman and and Batman show up to have a confab with Superman, um, and Jonathan gleans that the conversation is about him. <laughs> yeah, at least partially. Yeah. Um, and and then Superman, Dad in Superman costume appears in his doorway and says, "Quickly and quietly, you're coming with me." Like, uh oh. <laughs> that's that's another thing I really liked about this is that Superman came across as just a regular dad. Yeah, and he had superpowers, okay, but he talked to Jonathan the same way my dad talked to me when I was being a little shit or when I wanted to do something that was maybe above my weight. It's like, okay, well, if you do this and. But it's, yeah, with that, you know, quickly and quietly, you're coming with me. Imagine you're Superman. And yeah, you were raised by two people who couldn't help you right. well, when and, you were being raised. And all I can see going on here is you you know this is the classic conversation where 
Wonder Woman is is saying no, he has to come to uh, Paradise Island and and be trained properly. He can't do it here. And Batman's saying he's a danger to himself and others. He needs to be studied. You, you know that this is what's happening. It definitely <laughs> seems like it. Yes. Um, so yeah, Superman reacts like a dad would. You know, all right, I got to take you away under cover of darkness before she gets weirder. <laughs> like, well. It's also, of course, he's going to bring him to the Justice League for that kind of thing. He was raised by parents who could not help him. They couldn't. They couldn't sit Clark down at thirteen and give him the big talk about superpowers. Like we all got to talk about sex. There's not even superhero you porn. You got to talk about sex. Uh, I sort of preempted it. Uh, I, I got out of it because <laughs> I didn't need it because I had porn. And it, but there's no superpowers porn that Jonathan can watch. But you know, there might be. The internet's a big, wild, weird place. Oh, that okay, fine. But the, their signal sucks in Smallville. It's that satellite. <laughs> they shit. still have dial-up. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, dial-up AOL it keeps track of everything. So he can't he can't get his groove on properly. No. So oh, it's buffering. It's still buffering. Yeah, <laughs> it's giving your son access to the justice league is the DC comic superhero version of giving him your old issues of hustler. So here, <laughs> well, fine. You'll figure it out. We'll send you to them and you'll figure it out. Yeah. But yeah, it's every character felt authentic and real. Yeah. After a few years of a Superman who was wrapped up in Kryptonian armor and really was only ever humanized after Greg Pak got involved on action comics and brought in Lana Lang. It's good to see a human Superman and yeah. a yeah. Lois Lane who, yes, is the love interest and yeah, very human feeling. Granted, it's only a few pages we have so far. He could get full Damien, in which case I'm, I'm off board. I don't think that's going to happen though. Yeah. But it's good to see a human Superman again. Yeah. You know, who is first and foremost, a dude from Kansas. Yeah. Now that said, we open this with Superman leaving a Dr. Manhattan handprint in the grass and name-checking Mr. Oz, so I can't even have a nice Superman story in Smallville without DC rubbing blue wang in my face. This is the one, if, if there's Watchmen in the, the Rebirth books I read this week, that's, that's mm. my sighting, and that there never makes is. me happy. <laughs> Take that away. That was just, all right, that was a couple panels. I was like, ugh. Then when I got past it, this was just a really good superhero comic with really relatable, believable characters. Yeah. Now, now if the kid starts talking shit to Alfred and Teen Titans like Damien, I'll blow up his fucking dog. I don't think that'll happen. (laughs) He doesn't have a dog. Well. (laughs) Doesn't have a cat now. Oh, yeah. All right. (laughs) Not getting him any more pets. But yeah, it's uh, this is one uh, I was expecting. uh, This will probably be okay. Because yeah, the Superman Rebirth one was, was all right. But no, this is a really solid comic. Yeah which would have been more solid without those two or three panels of talking about Dr. Oz. And I swear to God, if it turns out Superman's Dr. Manhattan somehow Mm. (laughs) after this, Mm. (laughs) Mm. I can't see how they would do that. No, this is far too human. A Superman for the alienated. Yes. I see all time and all space. Dr. Manhattan to be, I don't think that'll be how it plays out. Or the retconned control freak. Yeah. God, I hope that's not the case because I, I I really like this one. Yeah. Anything else on this? Or? Nope. So we'll go to the one that I think I liked best uh, this week. Uh, Batman number one, uh, written by Tom King, art by David Finch. And again, this is one of the best single Batman issues I've read in quite a while. Yeah. The, with no disrespect to Scott Snyder, he did arcs. He did very few one and dones. This is... 
with the exception of a couple of teasers, this is very much a one and done Mm -hmm. and just solid all the way through it. I I thought, I mean, what were your, your impressions? Um, I was trying to figure out, I I did enjoy it for the most part, but there were a couple of things that just seemed jarring. Alfred kept referring to Batman as master Wayne while they were working. And when Batman's working, Batman's Batman. Yeah. You know what? I didn't have a problem with that. Um, because I always under I kind of understood understood Scott Snyder's reasoning behind it. I was never really on board with the whole Penny One mm. kind of code name. I mean, the dude's name is Alfred Pennyworth. It's not a hard call sign to guess. Yeah, it might as well have yes, calling Wayne Butler One. <laughs> you're, you're not really <laughs> fooling anybody. Manservant One. But it's I get why that happened. But it's when it comes to radio communication, it, it's Batman. But at the very least, for the purposes of on the off chance this frequency is ever hacked, do you really want to be called Master Wayne or do you want to be called Batman? Look, I have enough encryption on my cell phone to keep rubes from overhearing and being able to break my encryption. I would be severely disappointed to discover (laughs) that I have better technology than (laughs) Batman. I'm willing to accept that his shit is tight. Okay, so that was just one little thing that kind of, I don't know, stood out for me. To me, it was refreshing it was a little jarring but it was also yeah it's batman his communications are they're locked down well the other reason though that it it jarred me is that it's generally commonly accepted that batman thinks of himself as batman and bruce wayne is the mask so his preference would be to be referred to as batman yes but that wouldn't be alfred's preference true alfred will do everything in his power to remind him that he's bruce wayne Uh, all right you make a good point so uh, that's just that, that was my take. Yeah. I get what you're saying. It was a jarring change from what we had for the last five years from Scott Snyder <laughs> when it came to these kind of communications. I was cool with it. Okay. But so, but go- I get where you're coming from. So with the rest of the book, all right, Batman has to save a plane that's going to go down in a very populated area in Gotham. Uh, he has no support from people in the Justice League who would otherwise be able to come out and help fly the plane elsewhere. So he realizes that he's going to have to do it alone. He understands that he may very well die doing it. There's a moment at the end where he has this closure conversation with Alfred. Would, would mom and dad have thought this was a good death, which. (laughs) Yeah. And that's something that I liked. It's not a thing that you, uh, you see very often in Batman comics. The fact that Batman is absolutely willing to die to protect Gotham. We don't get a sense here that he's eager to die, right? but he'll do it without hesitation if he has to. His only concern being that if he is going to give his life to save Gotham, that it's worthwhile, that it's right. a kind of good death. Yep. Which was also kind of smart, because that idea of Batman wanting a good death is straight from Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. Yes. So you're name-checking classic Batman in sort of a subtle way to tie it in with that kind of characterization, maybe give an earlier view of that later version of Batman. So tying it into a larger continuity. I I really thought that was clever. And it's something you don't see a lot because you assume, you know, with all the geek arguments of, Oh, Batman could beat, uh, you know, with, with time to plan, Batman could beat Superman and Jesus and Galactus. (laughs) (laughs) You don't really take into account, it's still dangerous and he still has to be willing to die. And this is a classic example of there is no time to plan. The plane is coming down. Give me information. I'll plan on the fly. And because of that, I might be able to save the city, but I'm probably not going to make it. Right. 
Um, and so at the end, we the, the plane is saved, but it's because of the the introduction of two new characters um, who are flyers and appear to be Superman level powers. One, yes. <laughs> he refers to himself as Gotham, and she is Gotham Girl. Of course. And this is our city, and we are here to save it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, I mean, tying back into when Batman says, you know, when Alfred tells Batman, uh, yes, the, the the Justice League is off fighting monsters on other planets and other dimensions. Like, okay, tell him everything's fine. Gotham's my city. I'll save it. So a nice tie-in to, uh, maybe that is going to be taken from you. Because it's something you don't see historically a lot in Batman comics. You don't, there have not been many super-powered protectors of Gotham over the years. Right. You know, and you could ask the question, why not? Well, from from a real-world perspective, it's, well, then Batman's fucked with he's just going to be a guy running around. If Superman was in Gotham, you don't need Batman. Well, and also they, they foreshadow it in the with some of the passengers on the plane. There's the guy who's freaking out. He's like, no, what do we got going on? It, the, Gotham is doing this to us. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, which I also thought was a good, because he said, you know, it's the the hero that Gotham deserves, name-checking back to the Dark Knight. Right. So King was kind of smart, if a little obvious, in tying to these huge Batman stories and kind of saying, this is that epic Batman. Right. But it, yeah, that was a, a decent foreshadowing of, does Gotham deserve better? And also, what would Batman do if a version of Superman moved in? It's a good question. Yeah. He's never had to worry about it. It seems that a member of Cobra got a hold of a grenade launcher or something. Rocket launcher, Rocket, yeah. Yeah, and took out this plane. But the Cobra member is found dead. Yes, there's that one panel of a mysterious silhouetted figure standing over the the dead terrorist making possibly a watchman reference by saying, observe the clock, Batman. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Fuck. I thought I was getting through this without any watchman shit. Oh, I, oh, I hope not. I fucking hope that's not the case. Is he wearing a hat? If it's even remotely Rorschach, I riot. You can't tell he's, he's in silhouette. He could be hush. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I didn't pick up on that going through it. I just thought, okay, it's yeah. Who, who killed the terrorist is a, Nice little mystery, and now I don't want to know. God damn it. And are they related to these these new super beings? Yeah. All right, I, I'm going to step away from the Watchmen shit. And <laughs> does, watch, does the Watchmen shit make you angry, hon? I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't sure. Did, Where's my whiskey funnel? Anyway. <laughs> there are no glowing handprints in this one, at least. Yeah, okay, I'll take what I can get. That's, that's fine. <laughs> uh, let's look at it from an overall comic. This reminded me a lot of Black Widow number one that we talked about a few weeks ago by Mark Wade, in that it is almost pure action nonstop ride right from the beginning. It's almost yeah. reversed. Whereas Black Widow is trying to get off the helicarrier. <laughs> yeah. Batman's trying to get from the ground to this plane. And it's just constant action. And you can see Batman's brain working every step of the way. It's if you want a status quo of the Tom King Batman, he does a really good job in showing it here. You've got his support system in action with Alfred and mm-hmm. Duke giving him logistical support. The the commissioner being on a direct line trying to coordinate the rescue. You know his ability and willingness to reach out to the Justice League when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. And fine, I'll just continue to go alone if you know you can't be there. 
there were a lot of little touches that I liked in this. You know, opening the book with the line, we are beginning our final descent into Gotham. That is a great loaded <laughs> two meaning line. Yeah. yeah. And just some of the visuals from David Finch, the, the passenger seeing the bat signal through the cloud from above on the plane. And yeah, that, that kind of loaded line where Duke says, I'm not trained, but I can be there. You want me to put on the suit? And Batman says, you can help give me information mm. with the subtext of you're not ready, but balance with Batman is willing to involve him and get help from him. One of the better Alfred lines I've seen in a while where Batman says, you know, once I'm stabilized on the plane, I need to know this. And Alfred says, uh, waiting for you to be stabilized, as always. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that, that, that was like the, the great line of this, actually. Yeah. As a Batman comic, taking Watchmen shit out, it does a great job of showing this is the new status quo. These are the players. These are some of the relationships. Mm-hmm. And But it's action almost from the first or second page. Yeah. It's a really good... Minus the mysteries that'll bring us into future uh, future issues of uh, like who are Gotham and Gotham Girl and who killed the terrorist and please God don't let it be Rorschach and might be the comedian even worse yeah it's just a great action packed one one and done issue it's a I really like this one a lot yeah no I, I agree okay anything else on Batman one or should we wrap it up oh, let's wrap it up okay because yeah I'm almost out of beer oh I know it's terrible. What a beer to be out of. Fine. Berkshire Brew. <laughs> Seriously, send me some free beer. I'll keep talking about your beer. <laughs> At least you like it. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's tasty. It's got the alcohol I need to not set the deck on fire. Please don't set the deck on fire. All right. Not tonight. Okay. All right. I don't know where you have found this show because we seem like it could be picked up almost anywhere <laughs> these days, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. I've been doing more stuff there, so you can certainly send us a message through that. Give us a like. I still don't know what it means, but it seems to be the uh, Bitcoin of Facebook of some <laughs> sort. But uh, Facebook.com slash Crisis on Infinite Midlives. We're on Twitter. Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. We are on Tumblr, Crisis on Infinite Midlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes. And if that is how you get your podcast media, do us a favor and give us a rating, give us a review. It helps new people find the show. You can find us on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And if you want to reach us and you don't want to do any of those weird ways, you can always get us the old-fashioned 1990s way. (laughs) Email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. I miss anything? Nope, I think that's that was it. All right, so this has been episode 118 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. I'm going to set fire to the deck. No. I want a cheeseburger. <laughs> I want a cheeseburger. Okay. <laughs>